it's much easier to do than you imagine, really. And I know that I, I don't, there's, there is so much ground. There is so much fertile soil right around us that just being able to, to stop and meditate and look and listen um, is just a great way to begin. And just wherever, wherever you feel a nudge to try something, try it. I would, somebody reminded me yesterday that um, nine out of 10 first time attempts at something new end in failure. <laughs> and then the second attempts, I think, I think the, the statistics were 80% of the second attempts end in success. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. You're listening to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalot, cultivator of Fresh Expressions here in North Georgia and lead cultivator of the Common Ground Network at Mount Pisgah United Methodist Church in Johns Creek. I'm here today with my friend, Allison, and I can't wait for you to hear her story of Fresh Expressions and um, what God is doing uh, in and through her ministry in a um, suburb of the Atlanta area. So Allison, um, I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about your context and how you got involved in this thing called Fresh Expressions. Yeah. Well, I'm Allison Lawrence, and um, I am an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church in the North Georgia Conference. And I'm currently serving at Fayetteville First United Methodist Church, and um, I am the associate minister. Been here for just over six years, which is kind of hard to imagine. And um, it's been it's been a really great place to serve and to to be and to um, sort of explore what God has in store for for me and my ministry, but also for this whole this church and the whole community. We and we we were actually ordained together. I think we were in two different so. residency groups. Yeah, so we didn't really yeah. get to spend a lot of time together. But um, I think probably the the most contact we had was when we did the pioneer learning community together. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about how you got into that whole scenario? And um, yeah, uh, well, it started um, before the pioneer learning community retreat, that year long process that we did or six months. Well, I can't remember now how long it was, but um, before that I had done one of the visioning days and walked away going, I don't get this. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> Like, okay, but this sort of sounds like we're what we should be kind of doing anyway. And I'm not really seeing the the actual, you know, I just didn't get it. Yeah. And, but I wanted to know more about it. And so I dug a little deeper and um, did some, a little more readings. And I can't remember the name of the book that I read. Um, Was it Steeple to Street? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. You're that's... welcome. Travis Collins. <laughs> yes. And so then the conference put out the, uh, learning community process that we could go and be a part of and was interested, but not real sure. Yeah. And so I thought, well, let me try it. I did bring uh, one of our church members along with me that was super interested in being a part of um, expanding ministries, but not quite sure how to either. And so he came with us and we did, he did the first uh, retreat that we all did together. And for him, it wasn't something that was able to kind of work with his life and his job and family and everything. So he wasn't able to continue on. Uh, but that's how I got there was just sort of this, I don't get it, but I kind of want to know more. I'm intrigued. Uh, feels like maybe what we're supposed to be doing anyway, but maybe yeah. I'm missing the boat. And 
So it was just, it was a really great experience, really. And was there, I mean, one of the things that we really would try to work toward in a learning community is actually launching a fresh expression of church and, and kind of having the the coaching and the peer learning together over that um, over that process, or at least the beginning parts of that process um, to do some um, kind of coaching in a cohort. So what was that like and kind of what emerged from that time? I think one of they did this little exercise in it. And one of the things is they gave you all these little flashcards to sit down with a small group um, and to they asked the question, what is church? Take away all the little flashcards that aren't church. Mm. And do you remember that exercise? Yeah, yeah. For me, it was it was amazing how many of those little flashcards, those topics, those ideas that I was able to pull out and say, that's not church. That's not church. Mm-hmm. That's not church. And so then to be able to work through that process of, of re-understand, I don't know, that's a silly way of saying it, but rethinking what church really is and um, understanding sort of that basic, what we're called to do and be. And, and how simple it really is. Yeah. And we walked us through and they had us go. We did a, a local walk in our uh, a community that was nearby where we were staying for the one of the retreats. And mm-hmm. it was that sort of moment of just walking and praying and talking. And it was a community. It wasn't far from where I live and uh, it wasn't my immediate community, but it wasn't far. And I was sort of intrigued with just this. This is a lot more simple. <laughs> we make it so complicated. We actually have like contests at the vision days um, when we do vision days and we have the whole sheet of what is church and all of the things that we equate with being church um, and, you know, choirs and sanctuaries and coffee. I mean, I think there is a sacramental nature to coffee anyways, but it's not a sacrament. Um <laughs> And, you know, all of those things that we equate with church that don't necessarily aren't essential to being church, right? So we we always like to have contests. Who has 10 things left on their list? Who has five things left on their list? Um, and you love the people that try to be really resourceful and say, well, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but we're going to count that as one. <laughs> so... Yeah, so you talked about the the prayer walk and the just being present and attentive and asking good questions and um, and all of those things that are really essential to that process of forming a fresh expression. We talk about the the listening and then out of what you hear, the loving and the serving, um, and then you know building community um, in the process of that, and then beginning to explore disciples, et cetera. So what exactly emerged from um, your experience and your context? Well, at the beginning of that pioneer learning community time period that we were working together, mm-hmm. we had started something within our church that I thought was kind of along the lines of fresh expression, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And so mm-hmm. we started a sort of gathering of, we have a preschool that's housed within our church. And so we started with a gathering of preschool parents that wanted to come and have some time while their kids were in preschool, they could come and spend time together. And we adult coloring books and, you know, we just had, we had a good time. And, but it was still that, that model of traditional Bible study within the church walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just didn't, it still wasn't where it needed to be. I thought I was getting closer to what I thought I understood from the fresh expressions, but not quite that visioning day, but not mm-hmm. quite there. So the learning community helped move me through that a little bit. 
And we realized that, you know, we weren't growing within the priest and within the church walls. We weren't, that that particular group wasn't, and it wasn't really meeting the needs that we thought it was going to meet. It was already meeting the needs of people that were already here. It wasn't really reaching into the parents that brought their kids to the preschool, but didn't attend the church or attend any other activities related with the church or that we just didn't have a relationship with outside of that preschool connection, you know? And so through the Pioneer Learning Days, I was able to sort of process that. And in conversations with other people here on staff, we we moved that out of the church building and we moved it to, there's a coffee shop on the square and we moved the dates too. So instead of it being a day that the students were in preschool, it was like they go to school Monday through Thursday and Fridays, the school's closed. Well, we put it on a Friday and then we offered a nursery. Wow. At the church and being just across the square, you know, because we have a great location where we are in Fayetteville, uh, we were able to offer a nursery, be nearby and start, start exploring what it looked like to be outside of that church building. But before we did that, I'd gone around to the different businesses and, and talked with the different owners and um, experienced, explored sort of those ideas and concepts and kind of picked the spot that I thought would sort of lead us into the best environment for a conversation without any expectation. And also so be yeah, I know. I love how you, you really did listen um, to the people that you were seeking to build community with, right? I mean, so if it's the preschool parents and an attentiveness to the people that aren't yet there, um, which is really the def- definition of a fresh expression, right? New forms of church for people that are not yet a part of any church. Um, and then to take the day that they weren't in preschool, because it would have been self-serving for you to say, okay, well, their kids are already here. And so we'll just invite them to into this um, across the street. But instead you said, how do we add value to, you know, and how do we make this about them and not about us? And so you offered the, the nursery and an additional day for them um, at no cost to them and to great benefit <laughs> to their great benefit across the street on a Friday. I love that so much. It really does speak to all of the things that a fresh expression is meant to be about. And it, and it truly is about the other, not about us, not about the mothership, not about, um, you know, getting people to come to your church, but truly meeting people where they are. That's so good. Yeah. So what, what, it, what did that look like to begin with? You, you talked about adult coloring um, and I think you called it creative faith. We did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very good. Yes, we did. We called it creative faith and it was just a place to, we brought coloring books that had absolutely no spiritual value necessarily. <laughs> some of them did Some of them had big little scriptures written on them and stuff. And others were pictures of, I don't know, precious moments, kids or something, but it was, it was just a time to kind of be together. We figured out through the coloring books that people that were looking for spiritual conversation oftentimes were scared to have the conversation. And so through the coloring books, it kind of gave them this, this chance not to check out, but not to feel obligated to speak. Um, And we still had plenty of conversations around the table, but it gave them an opportunity to sort of divert their attention a little bit by still processing and thinking through what was going on. And um, over time, the coloring books sort of phased out. People stopped mm-hmm. bringing them as much. Mm-hmm. And that was that was fine, too. I always had them available. Like, if you, if you don't have a coloring book and you want one, here you go. Yeah. Um, here's the dollar store dollar coloring book, you know. Mm-hmm. But 
they, um, over time it kind of phased out. It was just, it proved to be a great stepping stool, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to get to that place, to be able to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Something really got to somebody, they, they stopped coloring and they would start listening more intently, eye contact and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. and I mean, I know I've done this with um, with students and student ministry and some of the small groups you get um, when there's some apprehension about talking or having conversation, even if you are um, doing something else, um, something with your hands or, or artistic at the same time, you feel some of those um, barriers kind of come down and you can you know talk more freely or feel more free to talk and um, so you really created an environment or some space for people to um, feel more comfortable in, um, in listening, but also being able to share. So t- talk a little bit about, I guess, <clears throat> what that time looked like together, because that's a lot of questions that I get. So exactly what happens? And of course, that has to be specific to whatever your context is and, and who the people are. And you can't rubber stamp what you do on a Sunday morning and a coffee shop, which, you know, just doesn't make any sense. So what, what did that look like? Well, so we said that we would meet from 10 to 1130 and I started bringing, um, instead of having a book or something for us to study together, have that kind of conversation every week, I would develop, uh, I would, I would grab a scripture and I would put a little context with the scripture. I would introduce the scripture in person, but also had a little piece of paper and hand that to people. And on that paper, I would have a few questions. And so kind of resembled in a very loose way, um, a a John Wesley class meeting. Yeah. Kind of had that feel of it and um, not, not, not the accountability, not a band, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's work. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is very much that invitational. Let's sit and talk. Here's some scripture that we want to talk about that, you know, some, it may be inspiring. It may be challenging. It may push you. You may disagree with it. You may not, you may not have ever heard it. It was just, it gave us a little beginning, but the thing that was so amazing about that particular group was that from that group, it became a catalyst. That fresh expression became a catalyst for, is it two or three other new groups? Oh, wow. Because of the people that were invited to come to that just by personal invitation, it wasn't something we didn't put in the church bulletin, yeah. you know, and we let the church know mm-hmm. uh, about what we were doing, but we didn't put it in the bulletin and say, you church members need to come to this. Right. It was, um, it was more personal invitation of preschool parent inviting other parent, which then led to other people that were beyond preschool parents. And then mm-hmm. we were open within our setting because of the way that the actual coffee shop is set up that if somebody was sitting nearby and had something to interject, but wasn't part of our group to begin with, they were able to, Oh, Hey, I want to talk about that too. Can I join you? I love that. So there's an openness um, by virtue of people being in that public space or those third spaces that we talk about in the fresh expressions movement that are um, just I mean, in many ways, common ground, right? The place, the shared spaces in our lives with all kinds of different um, people from different backgrounds and um, that that come together in a public space, right? Outside of the first space of home and the second space of work or school, um, right? Where uh, these these forms of church are, um, it's just fertile ground. So what what does common ground look like for you? Um, 
you know, I talk about common ground in this podcast and the common ground of, um, you know, in our Wesleyan tradition, the provenient grace of God, right? That all people are created in God's image and um, God's grace is at work in everyone's life, whether they perceive it or not. Um, And, you know, really the work of Fresh Expressions is to um, find those spaces where the spirit is already working and and joining God in that. Um, and in the vein of the, the parable of the wheat and the weeds that, you know, we're just there to not pull weeds, but to nurture the good growth and to point out where God's working and to, um, to celebrate that. So what does common ground look like for you right now? I know for a lot of us, it's like, the global pandemic, but <laughs> where, where is, where are yeah. you kind of meeting God and where's God meeting you? Well, yeah, that's an excellent question. I think what, what got us moving with the fresh expressions and what, what made our, our beginning connections so great was the fact that we were connecting. It was, you know, just simply being a place for people who wanted to ask some spiritual questions, but didn't have to have the church mm-hmm. speak. Um, and so they, you know, people were looking for, not answers to life, but just the ability to ask questions. Mm. And so the common ground, I think, began with the questions and being able to develop a few people. And I didn't intentionally, one of the things about the pioneer learning thing was, you know, the idea of uh, growing up others that could then carry on and um, multiply and do other fresh expressions. And I wasn't intentionally doing that, but as it turned out, um, that kind of became um, the way that it, it worked out for a few different other connections. So um, that common ground of people seeking and finding that place of acceptance, no matter who they were, of um, wanting to ask questions about God, but feeling like if they asked them in a certain way, they would mm. be shut down or told they were wrong or ridiculed in some way. Um, wow. One of the things that we were able to do was to start a, a, a group for moms of children who are LGBTQ. And that really opened up some conversation and doors that never would have dreamed of. Right. And so those are moms that were feeling disconnected from the church and suddenly they had a place to be. Wow. And so what has happened with these groups in uh, pandemic times? Have they been able to continue or what does that look like? Yeah, well, we've switched, of course. I think the whole world has switched to some sort of Zoom or mm-hmm. Google Meets or, or something. And we did. We switched to uh, Zoom calls. We tried Google Meets and I just couldn't quite make it work effectively. I think it was yeah. the user, <laughs> me, not. <laughs> we, we've all become um, experts in technology or or figured out we're not, right? Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So we switched to Zooms and um, figured out times that we had been meeting didn't necessarily work okay. as well now. So what might have worked for one meeting, a you know, Wednesday lunch group no longer worked because these, you know, they had yeah. kids at home trying to time, trying to figure out school and, and that sort of stuff. And so we figured out, oh, well, what time does work? And we moved it to Saturdays at one. Somehow that made a difference and it was better. So just little things like that has been um, super helpful just to be able to sort of stick, take a step back figure out how to meet together and um, what the best time is still. That's beautiful. I mean, it really speaks to the nimbleness and the adaptability of a fresh expression. Um, We talk a lot about those in, you know, in our vision days and just throughout, you know, uh, our understanding of what it means to be a fresh expression of church when we liken it to the the stationary dock versus a floating dock, right? 
um, one is able to uh, adapt to the current, you know, situation or, or reality, the waterline, if you will, um, and is a lot more uh, easy to pivot. I say the meme for this year is pivot, right? We've got to, we got to yeah. pivot to what works. And my daughter gave me a, a t-shirt with that, with, with Ross yeah. and Rachel on it. And it's pivot, right? That needs to be like the time magazine cover of the year. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of a fresh expression too, is they do tend to be smaller in size. I think the average size of a fresh expression is like 30 people, which I think is kind of big, frankly. Um, that's bigger yeah. than any of ours. Yeah. yeah. We, we sit right around 10 uh-huh. or less. And it's, yeah. it's good. It, it conversations that you might not that's have right. in a group. That's right. That's really good. I think probably some of the bigger um, fresh expressions that are skewing that number are dinner churches. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And those are great. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, 12 work for Jesus. So we think 10 is probably a, a good number <laughs> as well. So, yeah. One of the that the pandemic has done that I never would have done before, you know, a difficult age group to grab is that 20 something mm-hmm. age group. And uh, they just, for whatever reason, pulling them into the church is not, it, it's just difficult. I've struggled with that over the years, trying to figure out how to be in ministry and to help uh, connect that age group and, um, you know, and spread. I don't know. Anyway, it's just been difficult mm-hmm. to connect. And one of the things that the pandemic did was open up Zoom to me. And so now we have a 20-something fresh expression that meets only through Zoom because that's yeah. how it started during just we've been going on for about two months now. And it's that age group. And there's people in Atlanta. There's people here in Fayetteville. There's somebody in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, because of Zoom, we're able to reach a, a demographic we weren't reaching before and um, and, and just finding new ways to be together. That's awesome. I know that um, some of the work that Michael Beck has done uh, around digital space, he talks about the work of a a man named Manuel Castells who wrote about uh, instead of virtual reality, that for that particular generation, he calls it real virtuality. And that because their lives have been very much formed by this digital space um, and impressed upon by this digital space, that they experience what happens online in a very real way that older generations have not. So while we can feel a disconnect, and I think there is something there's something to that, right? As far as Jesus came in flesh and blood, right? But to, to some extent, we we. Um, we experience that space differently than some of our younger generations. So um, real virtuality. How about that? That's a good word. It's a good good word. Age 20. So all of these different spaces are different in their context. What does it look like? Because it looks different to lift up Jesus in a coffee house or online with a, a, a group of people that are dispersed across the country. Um, than it does in a church building, in a sanctuary. What does it look like to think of one of these spaces or pick one of these spaces where fresh expressions are happening? What does it look like to lift Jesus up there? It's it's really being able to ask the question, where is Mm. God? And to point to those, uh, you know, where you see love Mm. flowing. I believe that's where God, I mean, God's everywhere, but I believe that's an evidence Mm. of God's movement in the world. And so being able to sort of just change some of our language, but also be able to point back to this is God. This is, this is 
this is, this is God creating and redeeming mm. and sustaining us in life. And it's through the love of God that we're able to show kindness to others. It's when you see good in the world, you're seeing God and just being able to pull people back into that type of understanding. It, it changes the way. And that's sort of our goals of all of these little mm-hmm. small groups is getting people to see God. Yeah. Um, and, to, and then that leads them into all sorts of other questions that you could go into systematic theologies with them, but you know, to be able to, to first acknowledge God's divine activity in the world is huge. So good. Yeah. Recognizing that grace of God that's working and creating space for those conversations and that um, recognition to, to happen and to be um, kind of pressed into. It's beautiful. So how, I guess, how is God meeting you in these spaces? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, God is re-energizing mm. me. It's, um, it's been really, you know, we were talking earlier about how, um, Zoom can kind of cause fatigue and all. And even within the the fatigue of this virtual, real virtual, yeah. whatever we call it, face-to-face stuff, it's um, God is re-energizing me through the activity of others and being able to see them um, question and grow. And I, it's just, it fills me up. I mean, it really does. It gives me, um, it, it renews my faith. It renews my um, desire to be mm. with people and just... It's just a really great way for me to experience God myself. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I think that that um, what the pandemic and the systemic racism that has always existed, but has certainly been um, brought to the forefront um, in our um, in our country recently in a whole new way, uh, has almost been a crucible of. Um, you know, what's essential, what's not essential, the big questions of life and a hunger and thirst. I believe that's always there um, because of how we're, we're made and the image we're created in, uh, but is oftentimes um, uh, pacified or um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're just kind of sleepwalking through life, right? And this current reality has um, uh, awakened us in a new way that's thrilling to me. I think thrilling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you're experiencing that too. Yeah. There is great hope. New things says God. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So what is, I guess, what's an impact that you see um, in your, in your inherited model of church um, as far as, is what's happening with these fresh expressions of church? Yeah, I think the inherited model of church, our traditional church, um, had it, it's been a learning curve, you know, and it's mm-hmm. been a learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're moving to a place where there's sort of this understanding that, yeah, we want people to come back to this church mm-hmm. and be in this congregation and that we can count as our member. Mm-hmm. But also, I think they're understanding their role and activity in the community in a very new way. Um, and it, it's just refreshing, I think, for them to also know that it's okay to have, um, and there's actually, there's been some people that through our fresh expressions have come into the church, yeah. but that's not our goal. Right. And to be able to have that conversation with our church leadership as we start these new groups and do different things to be able to say, you know, we're doing this, but our goal is not necessarily to bring them back into this church in this space. It's to right. grow the kingdom of God on a greater scale. Amen. By these walls. Yeah. The church universal and like as you said, um, the kingdom. So what's one thing that you want people to know about finding and cultivating this common ground? 
Oh, it's just, it's much easier to do than you Mm. imagine really. And I know that I I don't, there's, there is so much ground. There is so much fertile Mm. soil right around us that just being able to, to stop and meditate and look and listen um, is just a great way to begin. And just wherever, wherever you feel a nudge to try something, try it. I would, somebody reminded me yesterday that um, nine out of 10 first time attempts at something new end in yeah. failure. And, and then the second attempts, I think, I think the, re, the statistics were 80% of the second attempts end in success. Wow. You know? so, so if you, and I don't know this, I don't know the, I can't quote uh-huh. the source, but if, um, if that's true, you know, nine out of 10 attempts of our first time may not, our first attempt of doing a, 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 what I thought was mm-hmm. a fresh expression within our church walls and, and doing a little Bible study that was just supposedly in my mind, a little different. And that failed yeah. essentially, you know, it didn't work, but we changed it. We pivoted yeah. and, and found a new way to do that. So I think it's, it's much more simple than we imagine and just going and exploring where God, because I think, I think the ground is just going to open yeah. up and things will just began to grow right in front of you if you're just willing to try a little something. Yeah, that's so good. That that spirit of um, experimentation. And we tend to be a bit um, risk averse, I think, in um, our, our traditional models of church. And we have to have everything figured out from beginning to end before we'll even start. And that's not intrinsically incarnational, um, and even, you know, what, what you had talked about with, um, uh, with creative faith and how you had started with that, you know, you had an, I, you had an idea and you were listening to the people, but you know, the, the easy, um, uh, predictable thing to do would, would be to do it during preschool hours and to do it on the campus. Right. But that's, you have to remember your why and the why determines the how, and I think oftentimes we're so consumed with the how that we forget the why. Um, <laughs> I think that's so true. Yeah. 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 So if as long as we got the why in mind, we can be more attentive to um, and more open to the, the, the possibilities of the how um, and, and just constantly, you know, being in that posture of listening and prayer like you've talked about. So is there something that you're reading right now that's getting your attention or are there like podcasts that you're listening to? Um, well, common ground, of course. <laughs> hh- hey, give us a, a, a five-star review and, um, and write me a nice rate, a rating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've kind of, um, I don't know why I was late to the game, but, um, I've just recently been reading, um, some Brene Brown and, Mm-hmm. Uh, Nadia Bolts Weber and I really have loved uh, the Barbara Brown Taylor book, um, An Altar in the World. Oh my gosh, and so good! Yeah, so good, so good. But the most important book that I think I've been reading lately, mm-hmm. I'm gonna laugh. It's Rick Riordan's the The Cain Chronicles. Now this okay. is a book for like I don't know ten to twelve year olds, right? Okay, we're in that time frame or age group. And my uh-huh. daughter, she's beyond the the beginning like she's 14 now mm-hmm. but she's been reading it to me out loud and it has been the most fun is just hearing this story and being able to envision it and hearing it through her words so when you ask what I'm reading that is the most <laughs> consistent thing that I'm reading right now because she is reading it to me I have my own personal audible nice <laughs> I, <laughs> I encourage people to spend time in fiction because it's a great yeah. place to just really 
that, and it also gives us an idea of what's going on in the minds of other people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If we're not reading some of the things on the bestseller list, I don't know that we can necessarily speak in a, a, a voice that is, um, sensitive and aware of what's happening in the world and what is kind of the narrative of other people's lives. Right. Right. Um, I made myself start a book club uh, when I moved to my new um, my new church in my local community for that purpose. Accountability. I need accountability. So, you know, we we got together and we picked out books that we would all like to read and kind of put together a reading list for the year. So that's been a lot of fun. That's great. Um, we 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 pastors read a lot to a lot a lot of nonfiction. So we do. <laughs> Yes. Probably too much. Maybe, maybe it's <laughs> nice to have a little fantasy. Okay, so Allison, if people want to get a hold of you or have questions about um, what you're doing in the Fresh Expressions movement, how can they do that? Uh, well, I'm on uh, various social media platforms. I've got um, Twitter and Instagram. It's the Rev Alley, um, A L L Y, um, and okay. Facebook. Like I'm there. Um, also email is a great way to get me. Okay. Conference yeah. email, conference email. Okay. Yeah. I'll put all that um, in the show notes for everybody. All right. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. I'm thankful you. for how God is using you in um, in Fayetteville and in your community and in the church. You are a Thank gift. You. Thank you. Well, I, I so appreciate what you're doing on, on spreading the word for how to, how to get started and to just share the love of Jesus with everybody that comes around. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks so much.